1: You know, obviously right now during COVID, our streets are more important than ever to us, right? We're seeing people uh, use them for pickup and drop-offs. We're seeing folks, uh, you know, try to get a little exercise. We're seeing all kinds of ways that our streets are sort of changing and we're thinking about them uh, in many different ways. And I think part of the opportunity here is how do we leverage that kind of civic commons, right? The the 30 to 40% of our land area, which is our streets.
0: everybody, I'm Fran Spielman. With us today is the Transportation Commissioner for the City of Chicago, Gia Biagi. Welcome.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Mayor Lightfoot wants to make outdoor dining more lucrative for restaurants that are fighting for survival by opening six commercial corridors for outdoor dining. Chatham, Lakeview, Little Village, Russian Russian Division, the near Westside area, near Taylor Street, the West Loop. How did you choose these areas and what are you aiming to accomplish here?
1: Great. Uh, Well, thanks for asking about that. I think we have a lot lot to talk about today. Uh, So let me step back for a second and maybe put that into context. You know, obviously right now during COVID, our streets are more important than ever to us, right? We're seeing people Uh, use them for pickup and drop-offs, we're seeing folks, uh, you know, try to get a little exercise, we're seeing all kinds of ways that our streets are sort of changing and we're thinking about them uh, in many different ways. And I think part of the opportunity here is how do we leverage that kind of civic commons, right? The the 30 to 40% of our land area, which is our streets, uh, for other purposes. And I think part of those purposes are economic prosperity right? And how do we leverage our use of our streets to help support an industry like our restaurants? So, you know, that's kind of where the overall idea is coming from. And with the extra uh, land area and the need for social distancing, the street really makes an obvious choice there. So the, toward your question, you asked about Um, you know, how the the locations were selected. And I I came out of a a lot of conversations that really uh, came out of some of the reopening task forces and particularly the Illinois Restaurant Association that does a lot of outreach and communication with Chambers of Commerce and reaching deeply into communities, talking with aldermen. So it's a whole confluence of things uh, to look at a couple of sites that look like they'd make good pilot projects.
0: So these are the beginning round Chatham, Lakeview, Little Village, Russian Division—we know about that one. Uh, the near West Side, where the Sun Times is, uh, and the West Loop. Uh, how will this work? What are the hours? Uh, will there be lunch time closings and then dinner closings? How is this going to work?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So, certainly, with every neighborhood, there are a lot of differences, right? The concentrations of restaurants. Uh, how active the commercial corridor they might be on is, what is the geometry of the streets? Uh, There's a lot to consider. And so part of the opportunity here is looking at a couple of locations and trying to get that right in terms of both process and in terms of helping the restaurant community and folks uh, learn how to do this and carry it out. So, um, you know, we're excited that we have some areas across the city that are really interested in doing this and that we can make it work. So as a process, I think, you know, We didn't want to invent anything too new, right? We want to lean into processes that we have. So things like our um, Department of uh, Culture and Special Events, a special event permit uh, is a great process that we're going to lean into, um, as well as another process that we've had called our Make Way for People permit uh, that enables folks to use the public right of way, um, in addition to sidewalks, which are also um, in play but that we're using those permit processes to make it as expeditious as possible. So I think uh, you'll hear later today how we're trying to migrate some of those processes, like so many of what we're trying to do at the city uh, to a format where people can easily sign up for things. Um, the idea here is that we would look toward chambers of commerce and business associations to really take that first step forward. It really helps um, in terms of organizing some of the challenges with having multiple restaurants on the blocks and how the distribution of tables and the process and all of that. So uh, we're using those kinds of existing permits that a lot of folks are familiar with. But our goal is to do things more efficiently, to do it faster. We understand the urgency here. Um, And so it's all hands on deck and it's not just CDOT. It's a lot of uh, departments, uh, BACP Business and uh, Consumer Protection and all kinds of divisions that are helping us uh, put this together. And and, uh, we appreciate everyone's patience for moving as fast as we can.
0: Right, but how does it work? What hours do you put up uh, horses to block the traffic? How does it work? What are yeah, the horse- hours?
1: Yeah, so part of that. Is in the give and take of the applications. Um, right now, you know, obviously with traffic flow and the needs in neighborhoods to move around, we want to be cautious um, and roll this out slowly. So, you know, we're looking at does it make sense to do something like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, what hours of the day? We're looking toward that dialogue with the restaurant associations to see what makes sense. Because obviously. On a commercial street, you might have a restaurant that's used to operating in the evening, but you might also have a cafe that's operating in the daytime. So we're going to just have to navigate through that together um, and make sure that it's working in each neighborhood. And, and the possibility is it could be different in each neighborhood. And that's why, you know, we're starting small, uh, get it right, and then we'll keep rolling it out across the city. So, for example,
0: if there are cafes that are open for breakfast and lunch, then you're going to have to close the streets in midday, and then reopen them and then close them again for dinner for the other restaurants?
1: Those are the kinds of questions we want to explore, exactly. That's the kind of thing that we need to work together with the restaurant associations and the restaurants themselves and figure out what works best.
0: And how do you police something like
1: this? So the special event permit, as you've seen uh, pre-COVID, right? Uh, people using streets for um, all kinds of activities, Um, it will look very familiar. So enforced through the same processes, uh, we have a number of departments, uh, again, our partner at BACP and others um, that help to manage um, our regulation of restaurants will be part of that process. Um, And so it will look very familiar, frankly, Um, to what you might've seen for, let's say, um, a block party, but it's not a block party. It's a very controlled environment where we're making sure that there's spacing, we're making sure we're giving good good guidelines, uh, and that we're using the kinds of familiar materials that you'd see for a street closure, whether that's a a type three barricade um, and the kinds of uh, signage that will make it clear that this is a street where uh, it's being shared for a new purpose, uh, and that's to enable these restaurants really to prosper.
0: And are you going to have to compensate the parking meter company for spaces taken out of service?
1: It's definitely something we're looking at. uh, And another department that we're working closely with is our Department of Finance. And we're looking at all our options here. You know, our goal is to really make this work. We've got to get our economy back online. Um, Our restaurant industry is so special in Chicago, it's a big part of our identity. And so we're all going to try to just get in line, uh, pull on the same rope, and make this happen. And so, you know, that includes running through some of the challenges of whether it's uh, parking meters or even, you know, the geometry of the street and other needs for movement. Um, We're working our way through it. So again, I want to say in advance a thank you to everyone's patience with us as we try to figure this out. And again, we'll figure it out, get it right, get a good process, have some success and continue to roll it out.
0: So how quickly could this happen? And will this be just the first round of other commercial carters as the Restaurant Association is hoping?
1: Yeah, it's something that uh, hopefully uh, very soon uh, we'd like to get the application process up and online and available. So I think it's a matter of days, frankly, when you'll see the applications uh, process be open. Uh, And we'll look you know, then comes the review of those applications, which we're going to work really hard to expedite to turn over uh, in just a few days to enable folks to get out there and uh, start getting these out on the street. And then again, you know, roll with us as we get it, stand it up, roll it out, and then uh, begin to see where it makes sense to do it in other parts of the city. And, and you know, what's really exciting here is I think it's an opportunity for uh, folks like restaurant associations and chambers of commerce to really re-engage with their restaurant community uh, and help get them to the table here. Um, so we're excited to actually learn from this first part of the process and then see how we can continue to expand it across the city. We want everybody at the table. So do you want to see right? this?
0: Well, yeah. Will you start by uh, sometime in June
1: to do this yeah, we and will. have the we- We'd like to start the application process as soon as we can. So we're standing it up. I'm not talking about
0: applications, I'm talking about outdoor dining in the street. When will it happen?
1: Yeah. Well, a lot of that depends on how quickly the business associations and chambers of commerce can get the applications in and when it looks good and review it. And then they obviously need to get some things in place. Um, And so some of that is dependent on the applicants. Uh, You know, once we get some applications in, uh, then we'll have a good measure for how quickly it can be stood up. And that might be, again, it might be different uh, depending on the corridor. Um, In some cases, you know, in some of the examples, there's a little more space to work with um, that might make it easier to roll out more quickly. In other places, there are a few more um, challenges that we'll have to just work through together.
0: Sam Toya told me that ultimately he'd like to see maybe 24 or 30 of these corridors for outdoor dining and that he'd like to see it be permanent even.
1: Okay. <laughs> I mean, I
0: think that's- What do you uh, think? The, is that is that realistic? Yeah.
1: It's a good question. I mean, I think one of the things that we're doing here and, and, and is kind of pulling back on, on that larger view, which is how do we use our streets when we experiment right now? I mean, here's the exciting moment. We have an opportunity to think about how we want to use our streets to test out a few things uh, and then we might like it. Uh, I think that's certainly something we will consider and as we evaluate, whether it's you know restaurants, whether it's some of the shared street ideas that I'm hoping you'll ask me about, um, but I think this is a really uh, it's it's a moment for us to rethink about all of that. Uh, land area that makes up our civic commons, right? Like our civic life is so much a construct of our streets, you know, where we meet our neighbors. It's, you sit on the front stoop, it's where you people watch, it's where you walk, it's where you, you know, it's how you get to work, how you take the train to where you need to go. Um, It's, it's sort of a, it's a really unusual. It's almost like a singularity to say, well, wait a second. This is actually an opportunity for us to think about all of this space that we share and make decisions together about what it could be uh, in a post-COVID future.
0: So let's talk about the streets that will be used for public use that might be closed down. What is that about, and what's the aim, and how extensive will that be? It's starting on the north side. Alderman Matt Martin told his constituents about that this week. Why the north side, and where are we going with that?
1: So yeah, yay. (laughs) We're excited about this. Um, so, the, the Our Streets program is really kind of built on that fundamental principle uh, that our streets belong to all of us. They're fundamentally shared. Like, so often we're talking about, oh, we've got, you know, drivers and bikers and walkers, but at the end of the day, it's all of us who might be in a car, who might be on a bike or uh, hopefully uh, on a scooter or on foot, um, and that we have these shared spaces together. And when we're trying to do, uh, trying to live through a moment where we need to have social distance from one another, we need a little more space, uh, particularly in our residential communities. So um, we have obviously been not only paying attention to what's been happening in other cities as they've kind of moved forward on making a little more room, making it possible for people to walk and to bike and that sort of thing uh, with a little social distancing. Uh, but the fact is uh, we've also even before we put out uh, an email address for folks to give us ideas, we were already inundated with you know dozens and dozens of requests and interests um, because you know we have a city that's uh, really aware, really paying attention to uh, the public way. And so we were getting all kinds of requests in any way. Um, and it's really an opportunity um, to again provide that little more space but to do it in a way that I think is resting on, Um, a couple of really, you know, important principles. And, you know, as we, and I'll get into the details in a second, but I mean, the idea here is that, you know, we want to do something that really contributes to overall community health and well-being. So whatever we do, it's in lockstep uh, with the Chicago Department of Public Health and the CDC guidelines. Uh, But we recognize that part of uh, community health means getting that little bit of exercise. And so uh, we want to make sure that we're creating opportunities for that, when we do need to stay a little bit more local, a little more closer to home. Uh, The second kind of principle that it sits on is, is this feasible? You know, it's the same, you know, related to the restaurants. You know, there are challenges with um, creating opportunities for streets to have less through traffic, which is really what we're talking about in terms of less through vehicle traffic. Um, And so we'll be looking at that um, with each of the projects uh, as they're proposed to us. Um, And then also, uh, how do we connect the dots? I think that's a third principle that our Our streets program rests on, which is, you know, how do we really connect that physical network? Um, And I'm sure you're going to ask me about uh, uh, people. uh you know, the numbers of folks coming back to work and what that looks like in terms of traffic so we can get into that. Um, but we want to make sure we're connecting that physical network where we can, whether it's our bike lanes or how people walk, how people navigate to public transit. We want to connect the dots to our existing plans. Um, so frameworks like... All right, self. so how does this work? How does this
0: work? Can,
1: can, this? can I Oh, okay. You, you took away my big finish, which is, you know... <laughs> so, but, but here's the big, the big picture is that what we can do with the infrastructure that we have, we can start to move the needle on important public policy questions. So how we invest in our streets, how we create great quality of life, all of that can, that's a road that leads back to a street. And so that's the, the kind of the biggest underpinning here. So how does this work? Well, there are a couple things under our streets. You want me to get into that now?
0: Well, I want to know how this Our Streets thing works. How yeah. many streets are we talking about? And and what, you know, it's starting on the north side. How extensive
1: are we talking about? So what we've done is created a program that has guidance for how you can walk, run, roll, bike, and do it safely. Uh, we've done, uh, we've set it on this platform of engagement. And so we had put out an email address and now we're up to about 500 folks have written into us. And then yesterday we announced a survey, uh, chicago.gov slash COVID mobility. And overnight we had a hundred folks fill out a survey about what you're experiencing in your neighborhood and what you'd like to see. Uh, because that local lived experience will help us define what the projects are and where they ought to go. And in fact, we published a map. It's also at that same web address where you can see where we're hearing from. And so we want to make sure that the geographic distribution of this is is great and is responding to where people are raising their hand and saying, you know what, we'd like a little more room out here. So our job is to bring a a box of tools to the table um, and help folks to, if they'd like to, uh, to help uh, create those safer spaces that really prioritize walking and biking through very simple measures. So you're talking signage, uh, type three barricades, which are those kind of orange and white kind of standing barricades some barrels. Um, But it needs to be nested in a good community conversation. So our goal is not to do what maybe other cities have done, which is to say, we've decided that we're going to close your street uh, without having a conversation. In this case, in residential neighborhoods, we want to have that conversation. And that helps drive where the projects go. Um, So
0: why are you starting on the north side? And how extensive might this be?
1: So we're hoping that uh, communities all across the city raise their hand. We've had tons of conversations. Uh, I think that particular location is just one where there's been a lot of uh, greenway planning done in the past couple of years. Um, it's, on a, it's got a lot of major uh, bike and commuter routes and dense populations, um, and so a little less open space. Um, and so those are some of the drivers. Uh, but where we start is not where we finish at all. Um, that's just, that's one place. Uh, and so yeah. we're inviting the whole city to say, hey, fill out this map. i being, a, you know, we're super yeah. transparent. If you don't see your neighborhood on that map, raise your hand. We want to hear from you. Uh, we want everybody to be engaged in this program.
0: You're a former park district planner. You've been described as a visionary planner by people who are your fans. (laughs) And the Chicagoans are itching for the mayor to reopen the lakefront. There's been all kinds of suggestions about how that can be done safely. Designated hours for keep moving activities like biking and running and walking. Tickets that would be distributed for free. Reservations, social distancing monitors. How do you think? this should be done and do it safely so we don't have a catastrophe like we've seen on the beaches of California or whatever.
1: Right, right. This is not the Ozarks, right? We, we are a very serious place. And I think uh, the citizens of Chicago have actually done a really good job. We're doing our best every day. People are trying to follow the rules. And you know, obviously these big recreational systems are part of our every day uh and we want to proceed cautiously there and you know my colleagues at the park district i know are working really hard to walk through what are some of the options for reopening that's something that uh, we get it. We want to do it. It's really hard um, to spend so much time indoors, especially for communities that rely on the lakefront for their open space, which is a really a corollary to what we're doing with our, uh, our streets program, which is to open up more localized spaces. You get a little relief. And then when we can really map out uh, the best way, the safest way to reopen the lakefront, um, we've actually added to the amount of open space. Um, and so we can be a little more patient as we work through it. But I think you know the mayor has shown really great leadership and, and willing to make the tough call to keep us all safe. And I think you know she will continue to do that. But you know we'll be working closely with all of our open space partners on what's the right time, what's the right way. Um, we want to get it right. It's too important um, to not do it well and do it. Smarter. So, what
0: are your ideas about how this might be done safely?
1: Meaning, open the lakefront.
0: Yeah. You know, I mentioned some of the ideas, yeah. the keep moving ideas, the uh, the designated hours, the reservations, the free tickets, the social distancing monitors. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, you, you listed a bunch of them, right? Uh, and if, in fact, you know, what's really been fun about um, opening up the lines of communication is um, we're getting lots of suggestions about good ways to do that. And I think uh, to your point, um, there are any number of ways uh, to do it, and we've had a lot of suggestions. So um, I think we just need to sift through the data. I think we need to continue to monitor, uh, you know, the overall community health. Um, you know, we're working on it. You know, I don't have a particular idea to put on the table other than to, to let you know that all that whole menu of ideas are things that we're looking at in partnership uh, with our friends at the Park District.
0: You don't have any ideas of your own that you think might work best?
1: Yeah, we have all kinds of ideas. You know, when they're fully formed, uh, we'll definitely share them.
0: In partially reopening the city to business with reduced capacities, the mayor is urging businesses to stagger start times and continue to allow as many employees as possible to work from home. What do you think commuting is going to look like? And are you concerned... About commuters who do come downtown driving, because that's safer, and gas is cheap.
1: Yeah, I think it's a really significant challenge. I'm, um, you know, it, it, I think you were on the call the other day uh, when we're hearing figures of, you know, maybe 130,000 folks uh, coming back to our economic centers. Uh, it's a huge challenge. So, I mean, there are a couple of things that we need to do. One, we need to build confidence in our transit system and uh, help expand their capacity. Uh, So we're working with CTA on how we can create additional uh, bus rapid transit lanes, um, even in a pop-up way to enable more buses to be run more quickly. That enables more social distancing. Um, Those kinds of measures um, can help build confidence, build a little room, uh, and make it even more efficient, frankly, to move around uh, on a bus. I think the other piece is, you know, we're very interested in how we can engage in a dialogue with the private sector around how how do your folks typically commute? What are your expected commute patterns going forward? What percentage of your workforce do you expect to continue to telework versus actually show up at the office? Um, and then how can we provide options, um, whether that's you know, connecting our bike network, whether it's emphasizing, um, alternative ways of commuting. Um, we want to work closely uh, with the private sector on how to do that. But I mean, I think the challenge, I mean, I think, um, gosh, was it in New York where uh, wall street was telling traders who are coming back to work to not take public transit? Uh, what is your option in Manhattan? Um, Is everyone going to drive to wall street? I think those (laughs) are some of the, uh, kinds of things we don't want to see happen here Um, and you know and frankly right now i mean traffic is um you know the volumes are low certainly but not it's not across the board right on the south side of the city um you have volumes of traffic that are higher than other parts whereas um you'll see slightly lower speeds on the south side uh, with the tr- with having more volume of cars, but you'll see here in the loop where um, speeds are 20% above normal levels. So um, we have a lot to work on in terms of one, if you're going to drive, uh, how can we uh, help help and encourage and uh, do what we can to make sure it's happening safely. Um, we do need folks to slow down, follow the traffic rules, um, but then how do we figure out um, other ways for folks to uh, commute? and uh, get there as easily as possible um so it's it's a work in progress for sure
0: how does that work pop up bus rapid transit lanes and where might that might those be
1: yeah we're in a conversation with cta right now about where those would make the most sense um, again, it's, it's a lot of simplicity here, um, using uh, what you might already see on the streets when we close a street, let's say for construction, um, you'll see the orange barrels and the barricades and really good signage. Uh, so we're looking at um, some of our major arterial streets um, where there's room to do that. Uh, it's definitely complicated. Obviously, um, the curb lane and parking lanes with uh, pickup and drop off still happening, uh, the potential of having restaurants on some streets, um, making sure that uh, we can get the stops where we need to have them. Um, it's definitely, uh, it's 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 a problem to unpack, but we need to take a stab at it. And frankly, um, we had already uh, been walking down the road CTA on a collaborative plan that they're doing, uh, which is looking at the entire city's bus network. Um, it's the most granular way to move people around the city. And so this is actually a great opportunity for us to test out a few things, um, get, to, you know, follow the data, get some feedback um, and see what we can do. I think the other thing, I I know I'm talking too much here, but the other thing that uh, we're also looking at is how can we make the bus stop experience um, socially distanced a little better. So we're also gonna look at how people wait and where they wait. Um, What are we doing with the curb lane in that respect? Uh, So, you know, more on that uh, pretty soon. And I would put that under this umbrella of our streets, right, it's another aspect of how we're rethinking how to use them. Um, and positioning them, you know, to make people's lives a little better. How will that work? How will the what work? Well, the,
0: the bus stop experience changes.
1: Well, we're designing it and looking at it right now. How can we, you know, our, our bus shelters, for example, are a certain size. How can we make it easy for folks to stay distance and wait for the bus? Um, those are the kinds of things. And I think, you know, the, the whole sidewalk experience is different in every neighborhood. Again, we, some sidewalks. We have six foot wide, we have nine feet wide, those kinds of things. Um, This will certainly be, I think, an ongoing conversation, um, especially as retail establishments open. How do you create room for the bus stop? How do you create room for, let's say, waiting in line? Um, These are all things we're trying to navigate through and, and come up with some good parameters for. Do you swap out the shelters? It's interesting. <laughs> I'll have to take a look at that. Um, I mean, I think the well, they're, small. Just, they're small. They're small and they're not
0: socially yeah. distant either. I'll
1: have to go ask JC to go. Um, yeah, It's a lot <laughs> of infrastructure. So and and, you know, I think what's great about the bus shelters, you know, of course, they they are good advertising in, in terms of some of the social distancing messaging Um, And obviously there's shelter in the rain and that kind of thing. So um, that's a big idea. Uh, Thank you. I'll put it on the list, (laughs) but uh, we'll have to to see what we can do. Uh,
0: Let's talk about the $40 million congestion fee, which is really hollowed out, of course, because ride sharing has been devastated. Uh, It was supposed to be a prelude to a much larger study that was going to lead to a longer term congestion fee. Is that out the window now? What's going to happen?
1: No, we actually uh, have moved forward on congestion study work, um, and there are a couple of aspects. You know, certainly we have a finite amount of data, right, pre-COVID, of when that was in place. So it does make it a little bit hard um, to anal- analyze it. But we're gonna we're gonna analyze the data that we have, knowing that there's a big disclaimer, right, that we didn't get to watch it evolve uh, for a long period. Um, but we're also working on looking at um, what's been effective in other cities, um, looking at some maybe some policy tweaks on our end. So we are studying it, but that's, uh, it's underway, but it'll be a couple of months um, before we have um, some sort of high level policy ideas coming out of the, those studies. Um, and a part of that too is we need to set a great baseline. You can do this with historical data as well um, in really tracking whether it's, the congestion pricing, but then also overall congestion. And I think that's something, you know, toward your Carpocalypse uh, question, that's something that we're we're definitely continuing to look at, right? How do we make our, when cars do come back and they will, how do we make it as easy as possible to move around? How do we not uh, deprioritize some of the good things that we want people to be doing, like biking and walking and that sort of thing. Um, and so some of that work will be looking at um, changes that we could make, like, uh, for example, upgrades to our our traffic signals. Um, There there are a number of things that we could do that are pretty uh, invisible, right, but they could make a big difference. But then as well, um, things that we could do with the design of our streets and our public way, Um, opportunities that are on the table, frankly, from companies uh, having rotating workforces or staggered start times, those are all really interesting variables that we didn't have a chance to play with before. Uh, So it's actually a pretty exciting uh, opportunity to say, okay, well, here's how people's commuting patterns actually might change in a way we never um, could have pushed on before. Uh, And so to contemplate what congestion would look like uh, or how we could reduce it, it, it just gives us a few new things to work with.
0: Let's talk quickly about some other things before we go the electric scooter pilot, you've said round two will include fewer than 10 companies that were in the last pilot and almost certain to reduce sidewalk clutter by requiring the scooters to be corralled or locked to public racks. So here we are, it's summertime. When is this happening? How will it happen?
1: Yeah, I'm glad you asked about scooter. This is where I always say it, it's not about the scooter because, uh, you know, it's too easy to look at the scooter like it's just kind of a, a, a fun toy and and uh, maybe not a serious part of, of the transportation network, but it is. So it's actually really important that we continue to look at how we can create other options for moving around the city. If you don't want a bike and it's too far to walk, a scooter might be just the right fit and it allows us to get more people Plugged into the transportation network. Um, So yeah, we would like to launch uh, the second pilot um, and we're definitely very serious about sidewalk clutter, particularly because it impacts people with disabilities and other folks, no one wants to step over a bunch of scooters on the sidewalk. So lockable technology, definitely. Uh, We're looking at um, reducing the list to maybe just two or three companies. Um And we'd like to see it roll out um, toward the end of the summer. Now, it's a shorter season, obviously, but um, we still think we can get some good data and finish our pilot. Really, the last pilot was sort of a part one, and we got that 100-page report, and there was a lot of good information. We learned a lot, and now we're trying to integrate what we learned into this second experiment, see if we get it right. Um, it's also Toward the important-
0: end of the summer, why not sooner? Don't we need it now?
1: Uh, well, if I had a magic wand, <laughs> but I think we also needed to give time for the scooter companies um, to get ready. I think part of the challenge in the industry right now, certainly, uh, you're looking at some of your big uh, micro mobility uh, companies and some of your small ones are really looking uh, looking at their financing, looking at what they can do. So there's some potential capacity questions on that end. And so we want to make sure that we've asked all the hard questions uh, to make sure that it's viable, uh, on the company side, as well as making sure we're set, setting up the pilot in the right way. So, um, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Um, and it looks like we're going to end on a scooter question. But <laughs> but yeah, that, so that's, that's kind of where that's at. So be looking forward to um, some really good things coming out. And I think uh, I just have to plug uh, Chicago.gov slash COVID mobility, because we do want to hear from folks. And this is just the first step toward a longer conversation we want to have with everyone about the future of transportation in Chicago.
0: Transportation Commissioner Gia Biagi, thank you for joining us and we'll see you all next week.
1: We'll do it again. All right, take care.